Hi everyone, welcome to our Thursday night, which we've been doing a Wednesday night, Hawks Inside a Safe Space. Um, my name's Ashley Brown. This is our last Wednesday night. We go back to Thursdays next week for the foreseeable future. Thanks for your forbearance and understanding. Any complaints, send them to the AFL for scheduling Thursday night football. So for the next hour or so, we're going to look uh, one last look back at the Giants game on Sunday. As forgetful as it was, we'll give it a couple of minutes. We will then turn our attention to the news of the week from the Hawks. Been a bit around, actually, a few bits and pieces worth discussing. We've got some nice talking points to go through as well. And then we'll finish off with a preview of the Sunday afternoon home game at Marvel Stadium against Adelaide. We are down a soldier in Clarko speak tonight, which is Andrew Weiss having a well-earned night off. Uh, so my co-host for this evening with the Hawks Insiders Twitter uh, feed is Darren Levine. Hello, Darren. Hi, Ash. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for probably the last Wednesday for a while. Yes, there might be one, I think, the first week of the finals uh, when that's on Thursday night, although by then we may be doing this a slightly less frequently. We're still going to do time. this finals well, time. Well, our numbers were fantastic last year. People in September were craving Hawthorne talk when there wasn't much around. That's true. We will be guided by... Our, we will be guided by the most important people on here, which is the listeners. Hello, Brad Klebanski. Evening, gentlemen. Great to be here again. And Danny Prince, hello. Ash and everyone, welcome and thank you for having me. Uh, good to have you here. Uh, Simon Morowitz must be destroying people on the futsal court. Is it a futsal court or pitch, Danny? Uh, it's definitely a court, yeah. Well, he may be laying waste to people on a futsal court somewhere around and hopefully will join us at some stage before we finish up tonight. So we'll start with the, uh, as we always do, firstly by thanking everyone for the support of Hawks Insiders um, and the Substack and the Spaces. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. And I think we've given you some good stuff over the last few days and we've got a few more ideas, a few more stories in our back end of the Substack to go around. So lots of Hawthorne content coming your way. Um, Hawthorne ventured to... Well, it's the Great Hawthorne Graveyard. It is where Hawthorne goes to die. It is Giants. It will always be with a small case here. Giants Stadium Sunday afternoon in the uh, typical Sydney weather, which is to say absolutely foul and revolting in the mud and the slop. Hawthorne went down by 22 points to the Giants of Greater Western Sydney. I think in our heart of hearts, that result probably wasn't a particularly great surprise, Darren. Well, I actually picked the Hawks by 32 points, if you remember from last week. So um, I thought we would do a lot better in the wet, to be honest. And there were patches of the game where I thought we actually were playing really well. We had that we had that moment where we had a heap of inside 50s and really just didn't get anything to show for it. So the Giants, just in the end, I think their skills and um, their poise behind the ball really shone through in the end, and that's probably why we lost the game and you know again you look at the the midfield battle which I think we we did okay it was just um we just seemed to be rushing every time we had a possession and just could not handle the conditions uh so while I have you there what you're down for the good what was the good out of the day uh look I think um the midfield looked pretty functional at times um I think Tom Mitchell probably had one of his better games for the year despite playing I think only like 70 
what was it, 78% game time. Um, James Blank just still looks like he fits into the side um, just seamlessly and, and, and had some really good moments as well. I think Harry Morrison continues his rich vein of form, 25 touches, and um, he was responsible for a lot of the good stuff that we were doing, and he he's just did an enormous amount of forward pressure as well. He was, uh, I think he led the ground for pressure acts. Um, and, yeah, you know, Jai had a few good moments. Um, I think that's probably it for, <laughs> for the good. I mean, we had a lot of opportunities going inside 50. We just, there was that dysfunction with the forward line um, that we saw a lot last year that, that sort of crept, crept back into our game in these conditions. So, um, just another game where you just don't really know what that says about the current list. Just shocking conditions, and um, it was really an arm wrestle that GWS won in the end. Brad, uh, don't hold back now with the bad. My time to shine. Uh, lots of bad. The weather. Brian Taylor's commentary. We'll get to, we're going to get to the commentary. That's a separate issue. So, uh, oh, good, good. Yep. Uh, more on field. Uh, a will day. Suspended again, just an absolutely shambolic season for Will. Unfortunately, majority of us thought he'd have a breakout season after showing great signs last, you know, uh, the last couple of years. Obviously, before he hurt himself uh, last year, but he's just had an all-time shocker of a season. Uh, James uh, Warple conditions obviously would have been perfect for him, similar to Will Day. Just a diabolical season. He's probably going to go in for shoulder surgery. Will be out for the rest of the year. Uh, Jack Gunston's disappointing season continued. I'm sure we'll touch on Jack uh, later on. Some sad news during uh, the week. Um, Jarman at Impe at another one. Just since he's come back, I don't think he's had a good game since he's come back from an injury. Another disappointing game. Was lucky to be named in the side. I thought he'd lose his spot last week. He'd be under pressure this week. Hopefully, Josh Morris gets a run. And uh, replaces him. We only lost by four goals, but, you know, the second half felt like more in those conditions. You know, the first quarter, we led by a goal a quarter time. Both teams did kick some goals, some uh, fluky goals. So we played all right in the first quarter. Just didn't feel like a good game. Just, you know, Tom Mitchell, as uh, Daz touched on, you know, had a lot of the ball, played a good game. But again, you know, spent a lot of time playing as that high half forward. Started the game on the bench, started the second half on uh, the bench. Uh, the next three weeks are going to be really telling, in my opinion. We've got the Crows, we've got North in Hobart and West Coast at the MCG. So, in my opinion, I know wins and losses aren't everything, but we've won one, of, one out of our last 10 games, four for the year. We need to win at least two of the next three games. So, I think we'll be 50-50 against Adelaide. We should beat North Melbourne and West Coast at the MCG are going to be more or less the strongest side they've had all year. So it seems easy on paper, but at the moment for us, we're currently, you know, bottom four. No game is an easy game. And I've got a strange feeling North Melbourne are going to sack David Noble next week, the week we play them. So we know what happens when teams sack their coaches and a new coach comes in. They lift. So it's an interesting three weeks ahead. So, yes, a lot of bad this week. But we'll see what happens on Sunday afternoon against the Crows. Under the roof at Marvel, no excuses. Of course, if you agree, disagree, or want to expand on anything we say over the next little while in the spaces, please 
please make uh, make yourself known to us. Uh, request to speak, and we'd love to get you on. Uh, it is not supposed to be just a four way conversation. We want to hear from as many of you as possible. Um, yeah, in terms of David Noble, if you're sacked in the next uh, by the time Hawthorne plays, they'd be going against what they've said, which is to let this review play out. It's only one week into down three weeks to go. Apologies for my dog barking in the background. And um, then the report has to sort of be presented. So I've got a feeling that Dave Noble's actually going to hang on to the end of the season somehow. Uh, so I'm not sure that'll happen the week Hawthorne plays North Melbourne. More likely that week is that Ben Cunnington comes back and he, we always know how he goes to go to Hawthorne. Yeah, 40 touches without even trying. So that will lift North Melbourne enormously. Anyway, we shall see. We uh, can leave the guys at North Insiders to have an in-depth discussion about them. I want to talk briefly about the TV experience, and I am interested in canvassing the views. Um, it was the Channel 7 Sunday game, which is very much now their D team, uh, Channel 7 putting all their production eggs into the um, Friday night basket, Thursday nights when they've got it, and Saturday nights. I was really disappointed with the broadcast on Sunday. I thought they were all over the Giants, uh, to a ridiculous degree. And there was, yes, there were some talking points out of the Giants, but it, it came across, and the NBA fans amongst you, or the baseball fans amongst you, would know very much like the home team broadcast, where so much of the discussion, I mean, there's commentary and there's discussion around the game, and so much of the discussion I thought was skewed around the Giants. And even in that second quarter when Hawthorne actually dominated, as, as Daz mentioned, without. Um, hitting the scoreboard, I thought a lot of the commentary was still around the Giants and what they could do to get back in the game and almost a disappointment that they hadn't got back in the game. And the camera shots, well, 95% of the... Not that I'm a big fan of the shots of the coach's box, but uh, either Mark McVeigh or um, James Hurd. So I just felt I was really disappointed. And I lumpy in Hawks Insiders uh, contributor Campbell Brand to that, who also brought that narrative. But I thought not a lot of discussion around Hawthorne in that game. Uh, Brad, you are employed in the media and Darren as well. Uh, did I get that wrong or right? No, absolutely correct. It's an interesting one. Obviously, the game was up in Sydney. The weather was shocking. We knew the crowd was going to be poor. I think the official number was about 4,500 just over that. There's no way there was 4,500 people there. There would have been lucky to have been 2,000 people there. The narrative with the Giants at the moment is obviously uh, Leon Cameron's gone, which I'm sure uh, we'll touch on later in the show. Clarko's been interviewed at least once by the Giants for the job. James Hurd back coaching it again is uh, obviously a big story, you know, can become a big story, but it's, you know, uh, in the interest of uh, the media. Um, the, it might have been a directive from the AFL or the higher powers at Channel 7 to, I guess, put a bit more of a focus on a GWS to take the negative press away from the fact that no one was going to be at uh, the ground. So Does that happen? It does, in my opinion. Uh, I've worked in media for a long, long time. I haven't seen it personally, but I have heard stories um, from, you know, executives at stations who lay down the law quite strictly to their broadcasters as to what they can and can't uh, talk about. It's a tough one because, you know, the media broadcasters obviously pay a lot of money um, for the uh, rights um, within the AFL, but uh, we know how strict the AFL can be and how 
they often don't cope very well with negative press and uh, negative comments. We've seen this year um, with the network that I actually work for, uh, uh, SEN, uh, there was Brendan Sanderson lost his spot on our station. It wasn't one of our uh, decisions, but that was a decision from the AFL. He's employed by the AFL. I think he does a lot of work with the umpires. Um, I might be wrong. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He, he was spending his weekends Saturday afternoon doing special comments at the footy when if you're the director of CUNY umpiring, what you should be doing on Saturday afternoon is going and watching some community umpires. Absolutely. So so my he was in the wrong place. Is, my counter to that is at the moment, Jeff Walsh has been employed by North Melbourne and he is still, I might be wrong, but he's on the AFL Coaches Association board and he's the one who's going to have to sack David Noble. So on one hand, he's supposed to be, you know, looking after David Noble and the AFL coaches, and he's been employed by North Melbourne to basically, he's going to be tapping David on the shoulder in a couple of weeks' time and basically telling him he's no longer got a job. So it's an interesting one. There's a lot of conflicts and interest in football where a lot oh, of the really? player managers are commentators <laughs> as well. It's a nightmare. Anyway, we're, we're yeah. getting a bit off topic here. Um, yeah, but I was disappointed. Daz, any words on the on the TV experience? Well, I think we're. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think we're a pretty irrelevant side right now. And I think there's what's the narrative around Hawthorne? We're going to rebuilding get new coach. We're, we're going to get to we're going to get to Kane. Yeah, Kane comments think, down I the track. Think, so yeah, I think GWS is the story of that game and. Um, you know, like I, I was as frustrated as with the commentary as anyone, but I just don't understand what you could have possibly said about Hawthorne weren't playing particularly well. It was a shocking game to watch. They just had to kind of create narratives. And, um, you know, I think, I think we do ourselves no favours when we play. And it always happens to Hawthorne. A player plays their best game ever and will probably be the best game of Callum Brown's career. Uh, against Hawthorne. So that was yeah. a nice little... I nice forgot to mention that one. <laughs> that my main bad of the whole bads. Callum <laughs> Brown, historic four goals straight. Irishman who comes into the team late, playing his fourth game of footy, and he kicks four goals straight in those uh, conditions. It's unbelievable. We'll never see that he's again. The, he's the Shane Harvey of 2022. Okay, uh, quickly votes, everyone. Danny? Uh, I gave three to... Uh, Harry Morrison, two to Blake Hardwick, and one to James Sicily. Bradley? Uh, similar to Prinzi, I gave three to Harry Morrison, two to Blake Hardwick, and I actually gave one to uh, Tommy Mitchell. Uh, James Sicily, unlucky, but yeah. Sorry. Tommy... Yeah, I, I got. <laughs> it's supposed to be Tom Mitchell. I was racking my brain who that third one is. So oh, I wanted yeah. to be the same as you. Sorry, Brad. Yeah. No, nah, no worries at all. Yes, yeah, so Tommy Mitchell won. I thought they were clearly our uh, three best players with James Sicily just behind. Yes. Uh Three to Harry, uh, two to Tom Mitchell, and one to Blake Hardwick with Sis also um, just behind that. That almost puts a bow on an ordinary day in the west of Sydney, but uh, the VFL team, Box Hill, played in the curtain razor and... Uh, did a nice job of chopping up the surface out of the main game as well. Danny, that's two losses in a row for the Box Hill Hawks. Uh, is that a, are we concerned? Should they be concerned? Uh, I'm concerned. Um, I hope they would be concerned because uh, not only have they lost the last two weeks in a row, but they've played some pretty trash football. 
Um, and they're probably games they should have won. Footscray was sitting like 14th when they played them. We got like smashed. Um, and the Giants were just outside the eight. And if we're serious as a VFL team about being competitive, we should win those games. And now we're sitting on the edge of the eight and we've got um, Southport on the weekend and they're, they're sitting second top. And, uh, yeah, we've just put ourselves in a really tough position. And there's enough talent in that Box Hill team. It makes me wonder why they're not why these last couple of results are there. And um, Clint Proctor spoke a little bit after the game talking about, you know, I think he touched on mindset, um, and it's disappointing if you've got to get players up for 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 matches. I think um, that's the one thing I think you can control as a player. You can't always control your ability, um, but you can control the out, the intensity that you come at and um, how you attack a game. And the last couple of weeks, it's been really disappointing to see Box Hill just sort of give up with a, without a whimper. So, uh, yeah, disappointing. Um. They their starts are killing them. I mean, I, you know, yeah. last couple of weeks, it, it, the game three much, but effectively, knows what quarter time. It's very hard. Yeah. They seem to get away with it under Sam Mitchell, but they haven't really been uh, able to do it so much under um, under under Clint Proctor. Clint yeah, Proctor, and I think so. I think it's a really good point. And if you have a look at how Mitchell played, he was very attacking in the way that he um, that he set the Box Hill Hawks up, and um, they would often go down by a fair bit, but they would get a run on, and they'd be able to counter it, and they just they just like it'd be a flood of, of Box Hill goals. I, I hope Ed Seal's not listening. I don't know if Clint Proctor is a good coach. That's my biggest question. That's maybe a little bit controversial. I'm not sure he has the uh, the control of the boys or the uh, tactical know-how. I mean, look, Sam Mitchell's now coaching in the AFL, so we can't probably compare the two. But um, there's a clear drop-off in the style that the Box Hill Hawks play from last year to this year. And just their ability to to find uh, winning results. He's relying heavily on um, Box Hill listed players like Ben Kavara and Fergus Green, um, whereas last year it was spread around a lot more and um, and Mitchell was getting a lot more out of his Hawthorne listed players. Um, in saying that, if I can give a couple of positives, and it was in my piece earlier this week, um, it was great to see another good weekend of uh, Finn McGuinness playing well at Box Hill level. And I think he's getting to the point where it's almost too hard to ignore him and he needs to play he needs to play AFL games and he needs to do get a really consistent run at it to allow him to establish himself at AFL level and then uh, secondly it was uh, really exciting to see uh, Josh Ward uh, play some really good footy and um, for anybody who watched the game um, firstly well done and uh, pat yourself on the back but um, he was probably, if not our cleanest ball user, he was definitely right up there and, and made a, a semi-wet uh, ball look uh, look like dry dry weather football. So that's really exciting. Picked up 27 touches, uh, eight clearances, five tackles, and uh, and should be playing at the Hawks next week. Which leaves us with the injury list. And uh, the main feature of that was the uh, shoulder injury to James Warple that bit similar to uh, Ned Reeves earlier in the year. They put it back into place. But the question now is, do they nurse him for seven weeks through the rest of the season, hope he doesn't injure it again, or do they put him into surgery now and have him cherry ripe? Conflicting thoughts, I'm saying, with seven weeks to go, you should absolutely try and get him to play because he could come back in in two weeks and play the last five games. And what, What's the point of getting him cherry ripe for 
February, for November time trials and uh, and beat tests. But the other, from the looking for the overall team perspective, if this is the development year that it is for Hawthorne, then get uh, that's more opportunities for 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 McGuinness and for Ward, and probably even Ned Long to have a run in the seniors before the end of the season. You got any thoughts on that, um, Daz? Well, maybe we're getting him cherry ripe to put him in the trade um, window. He has been linked to Geelong. I did read in one article, uh, one of those trade articles this week, that for my because I'm an idiot, I read. And he said that Geelong have uh, there's been perhaps some discreet inquiries made by Geelong about bringing him home. I think when you look at Warpool, it's, it's probably saved his spot on the list in some ways if he goes for surgery now, because obviously no one wants to take a player with a under an injury cloud, and um, Hawthorne will just have to, to to rehab him and hope that he can get his 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 head right and um, get his body right for next year and, and, and attack next year with a, with a different mindset, obviously. So it's very disappointing for Walpole because I actually thought he did all the right things, went back to Box Hill, played really well for those couple games and um, was playing some okay footy um, with with uh, with the senior squad. So, yeah, it's, it's a real setback for him and it's just it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him, whether they make that decision around shoulder surgery and whether he has a place on our list next year or what sort of happens in the trade period. Yeah, so that was the main. Hawthorne actually haven't updated their injury list um, this week, unless I've missed it. They've been a bit slack on the old uh, AIA. Have I missed anything, Danny, or they just haven't put no, it out? They no, haven't, they haven't put it out. It's uh, just another red mark or black mark on their name this week. They've been pretty poor. Yeah, it's, but it's but in saying that, place. Ash, when they do put it out, it's misleading anyway. So is this it is really? Is? So is Connor Dowdy? How far away was he at last? Uh, he was two to three weeks away, I think. So yeah, I would expect him back in probably three to four. You'd be yeah. surprised if he plays senior footy this season, which again but, is disappointing. Yeah, but Brad, didn't you say that about Josh Ward? Who me? Oh, with his concussion. Yeah, yeah but yeah. concussion. Downey's got a his like Downey's. Hamstring. He does have an issue his whole soft, career. Soft tissues. Yeah, you're right. He does. He's been. He's had. I, I think it's. I think this was his other hamstring. So both yeah. his hamstrings. He's had issues with basically since he's been drafted. So yeah, it's disappointing because good... he was earmarked to be our next uh, wingman. He had really high hopes. His preseason last year was fantastic, and then um, he started as the sub in the first game, and then we didn't see him. Mm. The player we haven't talked about for a while is Tom Phillips. Whether he'll come back? Um, oh, please no. <laughs> with dirty goals. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him at senior level before the end of the season. Um, more news for the Hawks. Uh, report from Jake Nile in the age overnight. Uh, confirming the figure of the sale of pokies. The pokies sale is, uh, has been reported for a while now, but uh, $40 million will be heading to Hawthorne's coffers as a result of the sale of the, the, the leasehold of West Waters and I think the freehold and the business at, out at Waverley Garden. So they'll be out of the pokies, if not already, very, very soon with $40 million in their pocket. Um, it means Hawthorne will have one of the strongest balance sheets. Um, money uh, proceeds will go not to the Kendi Community Centre, of which they're still about 20 to $25 million short, but the fundraising seems to be going okay. But that money will go into a future fund, investment fund. Um does it would seem that off the field, the club is in reasonably good health. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we needed that after the, the sort of board turmoil that's been happening 
over the past few weeks and I guess Kennett comes out looking like a bit of a hero through this, even though he had many, many years to get rid of the pokies. So um, it's just a great result for the club and I hope the money is, is put into the right areas and, and obviously the Kennedy Centre is um, crucial to the, to the club's future. Okay, the AFLW draw, the long eagerly awaited and uh, no uh, smart play by the AFL to schedule Hawthorne for its opening game against Essendon at this stage at ETU Stadium, which is Port Melbourne VFL ground. On Saturday the 27th of August at 10 past seven in the evening, the draw quickly, there's only 10 games run through it. They play St Kilda at Box Hill. Then they've got Richmond at the Swinburne Centre, which is Punt Road. Bulldogs at Box Hill, uh, Sydney at the Swinburne Centre. That's grand final, uh, day before the grand final. So actually they spared a trip to Sydney by playing the Swans in Richmond. West Coast at Frankston, which is sort of going to be the home of the Hawks for the second half of the season once Box Hill is turned over for cricket or redevelopment, whatever it is. Port Adelaide at home, being Frankston, round eight, pride round. GWS at Henson Park, which is somewhere in the west of Sydney. Final home game for the year, round nine, against Brisbane at Skybus Stadium in Frankston. And they'll finish the season away to Fremantle at Fremantle Oval. Uh, what were your thoughts, um, Danny, when you saw the AFLW fixture? Nice to start with a, a clash against the Bombers and hopefully um, Beck Goddard's campaign to get it moved to Marvel um, happens and we can uh, we can fill out Marvel Stadium. I think, look, it's just exciting to yep. have a, an, an AFLW team, to be honest. So any fixture was going to be a good one first up. They, let, let's make a, let's implore everybody on the spaces tonight. The, the game will only be moved if it's a sellout. So even if you don't intend on going, but you're in position to pay $10 for a ticket, um, just buy a ticket for the game because the more people buy a ticket for the game, more likely they are to move it. I think it's a pretty good chance they will move it. I don't think, um, given how the anticipation amongst Hawthorne and Essendon people for a team, I, I would imagine that they should be able to move it to Marvel Stadium. I think they'll sell 10,000 people pretty quickly. Apparently, the VFL Grand Final was at Port Melbourne with a pretty full house last Sunday, and it didn't cope very well in terms of queues for bathrooms and uh, food and drink and what have you and access. So... I'd say there's a pretty good chance they'll move it uh, as they did the first ever AFLW game, which was scheduled for Collingwood's training ground and ended up being moved to Princess Park and selling out there. So it's very exciting. It's, it's pretty close. They're, they're in full training now and they're doing some nice Saturday morning combined sessions with the men's team. And as we've speculated, uh, Brad, every chance the women's mid-team, if they played 18 and 18, women's midfield would, would uh, beat the men's midfield. They would probably go close to breaking at even. So exciting times for the AFLW team, in my opinion. Looking forward to it. Yeah, cannot wait. It's great to be part of it, finally. Um, and we the last bit of sort of news from the Hawks before we get into our talking points for the evening. Obviously, some very sad news with the passing of Ray Gunston, father of Jack, died of a heart attack yesterday at his South Bank apartment, age 64. Ray was an accomplished footballer for Strathmore in the Essendon League and also played uh, good football in the VFA for Brunswick. Um, had a decorated career in corporate life. Was a bit of a troubleshooter, really. He'd be often be parachuted into companies and, and either transform them 
or modernize them or fix them. And he was very good at that. Um, what, among those was the Essendon Football Club, where he was chief executive for a couple of years, uh, replacing Ian Robson at the height of the supplement scandal. And he then had to move to – that was frying pan into the fire, uh, Daz, because he went from um, Essendon to the Greyhound Racing Board or Greyhound Victoria following the live baiting scandal that uh, appalled everybody as well. So he went and sort of picked up Greyhound Racing. Then went to the AFL, uh, was, oversaw the purchase of Marvel Stadium in 2016, and then he also um, basically negotiated the $600 million line of credit the AFL got from the banks during when COVID broke out, which basically allowed the AFL to continue operating. Very accomplished man, uh, deep uh, fan uh, of his son, Jack, flew, flew all over the country to watch him play, home or away until COVID. He would go to every game, nervously pace from end to end, but he knew Jack's game intimately and was the person Jack spoke to and confided in about his football more than any other player. Uh, Daz, pretty sad news. Really sad news. And if everyone hasn't read Ash's great piece on, on Ray Gunston, give it a read because there were so many things I learned about him as a person and as a business leader and as a father that I didn't know before. So... It's a brilliant piece, Ash, and a great tribute to to a great man. And um, it's just, yeah, all our, all our thoughts are with the Gunston family and just his devotion to Jack's career, I'm sure, propelled him to, to the lofty heights that we've seen from him since moving over from Adelaide. Yeah, it was um, – I got to know Ray a little bit sort of from doing the interview with him and Jack in 2013 and then when he moved to the AFL. So Jack, uh, Ray was a terrific guy and really sad to – hear the news yesterday and I, as I did write in the piece, uh, thanks for your kind words about it Daz, Jack through playing in three premiers for Hawthorne managed to squeeze every bit of Essendon blood out of him and, grand, and at the AFL, what they used to call the Mad Monday, they don't call that anymore after the 2015 grand final when all the Hawthorne supporting staff members of the AFL had to get up and sing the Hawthorne club song uh, at the staff function, Jack, uh, Ray was front and centre, singing it very, very loudly. So uh, he certainly uh, became a rusted on hawk as a result of Jack. So we got we got one back. So we we lost Irving Mosquito, uh, Brad, but we got Ray Gunston back. Absolutely, and again, like Dad said, our condolences to Jack and the Gunston family. Really, really sad. And um, as Dad said, your article was uh, fantastic, and it just showed what an amazing person. Ray Gunston uh, was. He was, you know, huge for the game of AFL, obviously behind uh, the scenes, but he played a really important role. It really helped uh, the game during some uh, troubled times, as uh, you mentioned, the uh, Bombers and during the COVID years as well. So, you know, obviously be sorely missed. And I love the stories how he never uh, uh, missed a game. Would uh, hop on the plane, would travel to see Jack play at everywhere. And, you know, he was probably doing that even when uh, Jack was a youngster as well, you know, taking to all of his games. So really sad. And, again, yeah, we send our condolences to the Gunston family. So I want to go to the talking points now. We've got a bit of time to throw these around. The first one, Daz, you mentioned on before, um, the line from Kane Corns on Footy Classified on Monday night that Hawthorne has basically become irrelevant um, which I don't necessarily see as a bad thing. I'm interested to see whether he'll say that to Sam Mitchell's face on Friday morning on his semi-regular SEN spot that uh, Kane hosts. Uh, it's interesting to see how Kane absolutely uh, sucks up to Mitch 
during those uh, those spots, which are mandatory listing by the way. If you're back for Hawthorne and you don't listen to Sam Mitchell every couple of weeks at SEN, you're, you're missing out. Um, but then he sort of slams a club when he goes on footy classified or the AFL website, whatever else he does, or SEN for the rest of the week. But Daz, Hawthorne are irrelevant this year, and I almost think the club is happy for that in some ways because it doesn't see its role this year as uh, as trying to keep up with the rest of the competition. Yeah, well, just have a word to North Melbourne and David Noble um, on how it feels to be a relevant club at the moment. Um, I think the fact that we're rebuilding irrelevancy is really what, what, what you kind of aim for because the footy media is pretty bloodthirsty. They... You know, you're either they're either talking about you in glowing terms because you're at the top of the ladder or overperforming like Collingwood, or they're talking about you relentlessly because you're underperforming like St Kilda or the Dogs or the Bombers or the Power. Um, and irrelevancy is is a great gift to Sam Mitchell at the moment. He needs time to rebuild. He doesn't need the glare of the media spotlight. He doesn't need pressure week to week. It's not great that we're, you know, just kind of playing in in, in a bunch of honourable losses and some really disappointing games, but that's just the state of our list at the moment, and we need time to to fix it. And Sam Mitchell needs time to fix it. So, ha- very very happy to be irrelevant at the moment. And Kane Corn said that he can go weeks and weeks without talking about Hawthorne, and I'd love for him to continue that. <laughs> Danny, what do you think? Cancor yeah, can't go like three days without talking about Hawthorne. What's he talking about? Today he linked he linked Port Adelaide with uh, with Tommy Mitchell. So we're as irrelevant as it can be until we're needed for a story, which makes us relevant again. Look, I think the reality is um, this year is not about this year. This year is a foundational year as part of a rebuild. So we we are bad, and the AFL's whole system around. Um, you know, uh, talent regeneration and um, uh, keeping the teams at the top rotating uh, and not having dominant um, sides or franchises like other sports have um, mean that that's that's what's going to happen. We can't, just because we had a three-peat in 13, 14, 15, doesn't mean it's going to carry over um, for the next decade. So we're on the trough. We're in the, we're in the, in the, in the bottom of the rebuild and uh, we're going to be working our way back up, but that's a, that's a long, slow process. That doesn't happen overnight. So there will be probably another couple of years of irrelevancy, to be honest, um, until we kind of do what Frio are starting to do now, which is put together a list full of uh, talent and then start um, becoming relevant again. So yeah, it's just part of the process. I was, I was more disappointed with the fact that he said, we don't have any star plays where our supporters would like to buy their ideas. True. Yeah, well, that's just because he doesn't watch us play football. Yeah. So he Lordy, Lordo and Carroll actually stood up for us. You know, James Sicily, CJ, Mitch Lewis, which was a good call. But I agree with what everyone said here. You know, like we're 4 and 11. It's a good thing for the club. The issues will come if we drop to it two out of, you know, our next two games. But if we manage to lose to North, I don't think uh, we will. Even if we play poorly, I don't think we'll lose to North. But you watch what happens if we drop the next two games. It'll be the whole talk about, you know, Sam's no Clarko and all those stories. Oh, we'll be relevant again. We'll be relevant again, I can tell you now. (laughs) So we need to win our next two games. Um, But I I do agree. But, yeah, the disappointing thing was, you know, Kane, you know, being Kane, 
we don't have any stars. Where you know James Sicily is going to make uh, the All Australian side this year. Uh, David, good evening. Good to have you with us. Good evening, boys. How you going? Couple of We're things. I I think the relevant things are different point of view. You think about it. We've lost five games by under ten points. Collingwood have won six games by under a goal. You turn them around, who are they talking about irrelevant? I don't think um, Brisbane or Geelong think we're irrelevant. I don't think Melbourne thought we were irrelevant when we got beat by 10 points. I think Kane Corns is an idiot because it was only at the start of the year we were saying we were the worst list. Well, now we've improved. We're the second worst list. So um, I just irrelevance is how you look at it because, as seriously, we win the Carlton and Collingwood games, which we comfortably could have won at any stage. It's a different token point. It is irrelevance can turn on a space of five games. Who would have thought Fremantle are where they are this year in half a season? That's the problem. Relevance is we're glad to be here because it gives us more draft picks and it gives us a chance to build quicker. But you think about it, in 2005, 2006, people were saying, oh, you've got five years to go. Where were we three years later? It changes, as you someone said earlier, it changes very quickly. And Carlton were the same. They were a rabble at the end of last year. And now they're talking about top four. Yeah, if I can just answer that one, uh, Dave, and I appreciate your your input, mate. And it's a, it's a good point. But I think if you look at the, the comments about the two teams that you've, you've made, you've talked about Freo and you've talked about Carlton, which are really, really good points because they have – you know, from the the average fans' perspective, they have like jumped out of nowhere. But those clubs have been building with high end draft picks for half a decade or more. So you know, they've had time and games into you know the Harry Mackays, the um, Charlie Kernos, the Jacob Weederings, the um, Sam Walshers, and for Frio, it's you know Brayshaw and Sarong and all of those those guys. So they've been able to go draft heavy. They've been able to um, let these guys develop and be irrelevant for four, five, six years before then finding some of the final pieces like Carlton have done with Adam Chera and um, Jack Martin and Adam Saad and then make a real push for finals and, and hopefully for them uh, and Brad uh, premierships. So um, it's, it's, all, it's all part of that process, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, that, that's right. Look, I'm not saying it'll happen in 12 months. But I think irrelevance, he can turn around in 12 or 18 months. And we proved it in the two, early, two, mid-2000s. It can yeah, turn around we... relevancy. It can turn around, in, if you get a couple of good draft picks, it can change yeah. everything. It, uh, the it, only it, other thing it I did, wanna... Dave. Yeah. But just, just a quick one. Just remember, when it was 2005, 2006, we had Hodge, Mitchell, Franklin, Roughhead, Lewis, all on our list already. I don't think we have anybody quite yet oh. that, are, that are in that category. So we need to hit the draft hard to yeah. bring in the Hodges, the Mitchells, the Lewises yeah. and the Roughheads. And so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ash, I wanted to ask the question. You might be able to answer this. Why are we still playing home games at Marvel? I, sorry, I've got a real problem with that because we the other teams, oh. the five or six teams that took up Marvel, they got cash for it. They got money for it. Why should we be playing home games at Marvel? Because the AFL owns the stadium, and in fairness, and I'll you know I've I've had these conversations with people at the AFL over the years. Even Collingwood and 
Richmond, uh, uh, Collingwood, Richmond also play home games at Marvel. They played nine. They played. And they, they hated played, it as well. Well, I know they hate it, but that point is they put they're, they're they're nine and two. So yeah. we're 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 we are six and one MCG. So if you look at the ratio, it's actually not unreasonable that we play one game. I know it used to be every second year they give Hawthorne Marvel game, but since the AFL purchased Marvel, it becomes every every uh, we play one a year. It's not ideal. But at least they're oh, playing. I dropped the one a year. Good. Yeah, at least they're playing Adelaide there. Not like a couple of times where Hawthorne has played a Marvel Stadium team. Yeah, as yeah. the home team, which is ridiculous. So yeah. at least this time though, they're playing. Um, they're playing Adelaide, and uh, they lost it there last year. But I think with the this time there'll be a crowd. So you think that would benefit the team? But, um, but not. But no one really. Is thrilled about it, um, yeah. but we have to get used to it because once Hawthorne leaves Tasmania, I'm not sure. I think the best. I mean, I'd like to. I've got. But what I would like to see Hawthorne. I'd actually want to see Hawthorne play a home game in WA um, when they move to when they leave Tasmania. Or because Optus Stadium always have more games. Hawthorne's got a big following in Western Australia. I would move a game. To, I'd sell a game to against North or Carlton, who've got big followings in WA, I'd be selling a game to there and having it 10 games at the MCG or nine games at the MCG, one at Marvel and a home game Perth, which won't be very popular with people. Yeah. The club's going to need to find some ways to, to replace the Tassie revenue, and yeah. I think that might be the way to go. But uh, we we, uh, we go there, we'll endure it, and um, and then the, the worst part for me, Dave, is the last MCG home game is the following week. So by round 18 or whatever, they're finished at the MCG, the MCG home games are done for the year. The last two home games after they're both in Tassie, which I think is wrong. There should be an MCG home game in the last two or three rounds, but that's just yep. me. All right. Thanks, boys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being with us as always. Um, now, want to move on to another bit of news that sort of emerged yesterday is that uh, Tom Mitchell reiterated once again how committed he is at Hawthorne and how he wants to start, start, stay and be part of what the club is building. I sort of relate those comments back a little bit to Sam Frost interviewed on the Hawthorne website when he when he re-signed with the club for two for two more years. The comments were very much about. I mean, Frost was almost defiant, saying, "We know what we're doing. We don't care what anyone else says." And this goes to the relevancy point as well a little bit. What we talked about before. We know what we're doing here. It's exciting. It's no place I'd rather be. We've got so much growth to do here, and I just want to be front and centre of it. I'm really energised and enthused by what's happening. Tom Mitchell's uh, lines today were very, or yesterday were very similar to that. Um, Daz, is that all theatre, or do you actually think whatever is going on that Sam Mitchell has bought has sold a vision to the Hawthorne players, even experienced ones, the ones who potentially could go elsewhere and play that they actually absolutely want to be part of. Well, Tom Mitchell, if, if he actually believes that, he's one of the most selfless, ego-free humans on the planet because he sat for eight minutes on the pine while we got bossed around in the midfield on the weekend. So to, to then come off a game like that where he then came on and dominated and then to say, I'm in it for the long haul, I'm in it for the journey, Sam must be saying the right things to him or he's just playing coy and he actually wants a move. So... and just not giving stuff away. So it's hard to get a read on on that because if I was Tom Mitchell, I'd be pretty furious, to be honest. Daddy? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with 
uh, with Daz, or it's either that or he's just paid so handsomely he's happy to finish out his career here, so he doesn't want to move. Um, but if I'm if I'm somebody in the peak of my powers, I mean, I'm as as much as I'm a Hawthorne fan. If I'm looking at it from a playing point of view, I'm I'm looking to get out. I'm looking to do what Isaac Smith did and prolong my success and um, you know finish my career and and try to aim for a premiership. So. Um, if if Tom thinks he can do that at the Hawks, well, fair play to him. I think the problem is by the time we're ready to contend for a premiership, um, Tom's not going to be part of our midfield. And we've kind of seen over the course of this year that he doesn't have a second string to his bow. So um, that spells trouble for me. What do you think, Brad? With you guys, 100%. There is no way Tom is going to want to play at Hawthorne next season and beyond if he's playing the role that he's been forced to play this season. I spoke about it last week. He won a Brownlow medal as an inside midfielder. He now starts games on the bench, starts the second half on the bench, and this wasn't the first time it's happened. They focused on it in the they focused on it on Sunday, but it's happened a few times this season where Tom started the third quarter on the bench. As an inside midfielder for a contending side, he would be the exact player that a club uh, would need. Richmond's one that I think would be perfect with Trent Cochin coming to the ends, and I still think they've got a couple more years to contend. The problem we have as a club is we tried to get rid of Tom last season. As much as we hope it didn't happen, it did happen, but the offers didn't come, and his trade value this season has dropped even more where at the start of the season, a lot of our supporters thought, and I've spoken about this, that Tom is worth a first-round draft pick. The best draft pick you will get for Tom Mitchell at the end of this season would be 25, and we would have to pay a lot of his salary. So it's a tough one for the club because next season, as I've mentioned to you boys as well, we've got a lot of young players who are playing in the VFL who are going to have to be playing senior football where does that leave Tom? Because he can't play this current role going forward next season if Sam's vision of the club is to play younger players and start getting games into the likes of Finn McGuinness, Ned Long, Connor McDonald, Josh Ward, all playing in the midfield. Tom can only play as an inside uh, midfielder and have an effect on uh, the team. We've seen him play the role this year. He's done okay, but... He doesn't have the skill set to play the role he's currently playing for the club, in my opinion. So it's a tough one. I think he won't be at the club next season, which is disappointing, because I just don't think there's a role for him next year and beyond with the way Sam is planning for the future. Um, Danny, I've given you a bit of homework. Uh, Carl Amon, Port Adelaide uh, midfielder or sort of outside midfielder. Winger. Winger has been linked to Hawthorne. Hawthorne, uh, other clubs believe the one club he's spoken to is Hawthorne. Um, Hawthorne is making the running. A lot of people think he would, uh, secure because his mum works there, would be the favourites, but that's a bit like going to school, the same school where your mother's a teacher. No play, no, no one really would want to do that. So, presuming Hawthorne's a front runner and can talk him into coming to Hawthorne. Two things, two questions for you. Five years at $650,000 a year, which is the, um, which is the asking price. Is that, uh, is he worth that? And assuming he comes, 
give me a scenario of, of how where he fits into the team and who moves for him and is it a warning sign for a couple of the players? Yeah, so look, if you have a look at uh, Amon's uh, stats over the last couple of years, um, and he's not, he, this is not the first time we've been linked to Carl Amon. We were linked to him before he really had his breakout year um, in 2021. And the last couple of years, over the last couple of years, he's averaged 20, 24 or 23 to 24 touches. Um, and he's an elite metres game player. So he really gets the ball, he runs and he kick, carries and he kicks it long. Um, He's a prototypical wingman, um, and I think there's there's clearly a list space uh, and a, and a team space um, for a for a wingman like Carl Amon in our side. Um, as it stands at the moment, our wing depth is pretty ordinary, and our options, uh, if as we discussed earlier, if Connor Downey doesn't come on or his body doesn't let him play, likewise with Seamus Mitchell, um, we're relying on bit part players like. Dan Howe and Tom Phillips to to sort of uh, carry us through to the next uh, the next phase of our club's development. So from that perspective, he is a huge upgrade on those guys. Um, and at 26, he's still young enough to, um, if not play a large part in you know our premiership tilts, um, you know be part of the journey to get us there. Five years at 650,000 is the top end of the range for Carl Amon, but. You know, when you've got uh, like free agents, you generally to pull them out of other clubs. You generally have to uh, have a bit of an overspend, and we have shown that we're happy enough to do that. I think we did that with uh, with Frawley, um, and yeah, and I think that then allows Port Adelaide to feel like they had a bit of a win as well. My one sort of caveat on on a, on a contract for Amon like that is we should be front-ending it massively um, while we have no real play, other real players that are commanding large dollars um, because we want to keep our, our salary cap as free as possible for the years that we can challenge. So um, those years aren't going to be in the next two or three. So if it's a front-ended contract where he earns a lot more in the next couple of years and then um, sort of uh, market average in the last two, I, I'm okay with that. Um, where do, who does he replace? He replaces the guys that we talked about. He come in and means we probably see the back end of Dan Howe. Um, maybe we don't have to see Tom Phillips at AFL level again. Um, and he's a big improvement on those guys because he can actually use the footy. Um, you know, he's not perfect. He runs at about 70, 72% uh, disposal efficiency. But if you have a look at that and compare it with... Um, Tom Phillips and his dirty goals, but also the dirty munged kicks that go with that. Um, you know, you, you're talking about a significant upgrade there. So, yeah, I think I think there's a space for him. I'm happy with somebody like Carl Amon coming in because it's free agency and it doesn't cost us a pick. Um, I just don't want us to give up draft capital for somebody like Carl Amon. But him being a free agent in this case means we don't have to do that. So um, it's okay on my book. Um, not an ideal move, and not, definitely not a corner piece type move. Um, but you know, around the edges, it's not a bad, not a bad pickup. In that case, welcome to Hawthorne, Carl Amon, Ivan. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening, guys. Thank nothing to say, Danny. Mate, you've done said it perfectly. He's ideal, and you know what? He hits the scoreboard. He kicks goals, and that's what we need. We need a goal kicking midfielder. You know, look at Mitch's year when he won the Brownlow. He was kicking goals. He doesn't do it this year. He has he struggled. Jager hasn't hit the scoreboard, you know. So, yeah, Carl Amon, perfect fit for us where we're at with the list. And, you know, Tom Phillips can go back to and grow his hair and or whatever he wants to do. 
But yeah, I I, I agree. Calais Mon is the, is is huge, and I'd like to see Connor McDonald. I reckon Connor McDonald could play outside. What do you reckon, Danny? I reckon he because his foot skill is sublime. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're starting to see him play a little bit more around the midfield in the last couple of weeks, and um, that sort of experimentation that comes at the cost of uh, Tom Mitchell playing in the guts. We actually saw in the last quarter a, a, a midfield pairing of, uh, I think there was O'Meara, uh, Newcomb and McDonald for large periods of that fourth quarter. So, um, you know, that's I think that's progress. And, yeah, I think Mc, Connor McDonald will end up being a bit of a hybrid inside-outside midfielder. But I think he's so good in traffic and he will be so good in traffic. I think you want to use those guys um, smack bang in the in, in the in the guts. What I will say about Carl Amon, one thing when I was doing a bit of research, um, just to counter your point, uh, Ivan, is that he's actually he, he's actually um, a really poor shot at goal. <laughs> he does kick goals, but he kicks far more behinds, and he, he's got a twenty three point five percent accuracy in front of goal. So uh, you'd want him to pick that up um, to about fifty percent to be really effective. But, um, but, yeah, he does get opportunities to score because he is a, a real gut runner and uh, he gets into positions to, to, to have shots at goal, but he does need to brush up his shooting. I must Ivan. have just watched the highlights outside 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ivan, thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, interesting article. Another idea that's being floated around is the idea that North Melbourne would want to go down the uh, path of getting a Luke Hodge-type player to their club, possibly even two, uh, to an on-field leader for the next couple of years. There's a number of candidates out there, and uh, two of them potentially could be Hawthorne players. Um, question for you, Daz, without notice, I didn't put on the running sheet. Would you be comfortable if if uh, one or both of uh, Liam Shields and Ben McAvoy went off to North Melbourne to provide that sort of Hodge leadership that they so desperately need? Or do you think there's roles for them at Hawthorne going forward? Well, I don't think I've seen much evidence of um, Liam Shields playing a Hodge-esque leadership role, at least on-field. Maybe Off-field, if... off field, he would be fantastic. Yeah, off-field for sure. Great clubman. Um, but, yeah, very comfortable for, for Liam to move on. He's given so much to the club. And if that's if he wanted to prolong his career for another couple of years at North, I think all power to him. Um, ben McAvoy, I think we actually need his his leadership at our club um, and we've been robbed of that, I think, this year. So it would be good for him to, to stick around for an, another year at least on our list and we really do need that senior leadership and there's probably a bit of a, a void, I think, if, if both of those two go. But, um, yeah, all, all the power to Liam because I, I don't think he's probably going to – he's, he's not going to be in our list next year. Right, okay. Um We've got a few minutes to go. And this, again, back to you, Daz. This is your wheelhouse also. You've had strong opinions on this in the path. In the past. It is not the week of a Geelong Hawthorne game, so passions are not as inflamed as usual. Isaac Smith, 250 games. Uh, do we wish him well? Oh, <laughs> Don't say it, Daz. Don't say no, it. yeah, I do. I've, you know what? I think I've come to, t- especially since reading that interview with him, when he said that, you know, it gave me a lot of understanding when he spoke about how clubs will just do it to players and we're, we're supposed to be okay with it. So I, I do have a bit of bit more empathy for his situation. I think him moving to Geelong 
when he had a good offer from Hawthorne on the table really cut me deep because my hatred for Geelong is pretty deep. Um, So I wish him well. I won't be watching that game and it all hurt to see him. It always hurts to see him run out in Geelong colours and I think at the end of the day it comes from a place of deep love for Isaac Smith that I can't actually, I feel physically sick or seeing him in the Geelong jumper still. It's going to be a fantastic game tomorrow night. You'd be doing yourself a disservice not watching it. It will be really good. I've interviewed Isaac for the record, uh, which comes out tomorrow. Uh, just to summarize a couple of key points. He still loves Hawthorne. Um, it was really was a lifestyle thing. He thought that the club, he could. He said as early as 2019, he could see that there was going to be the need for generational change. And he didn't think, didn't actually think he'd be the right sort of person to be around the club as it sort of started to cut the, the list. Why didn't and, he tell Clarko that? Um, so, well, that's uh, that, that's sort of how he that's how he explained it. Um, he wasn't feeling comfortable. The hub he said didn't really make a big difference. He sort of more or less made up his mind to go. He said it was the lifestyle of Ge- of living in Geelong as a country as a country guy. Um, that appealed to him. He's living down there now. He said if he'd stayed living in Melbourne, he would he would have remained with Hawthorne and not taken the offer that was on the table from Melbourne. Uh, still very complimentary. The Hawks talked about uh, some good stuff about the the story behind the goal in the 2013 grand final that I'll keep for you guys to actually buy the magazine for $5 at Coles and Victoria News Agents and read. But uh, it was a good chat and, uh, and, and really good chat to him. He did sort of say... Oh, Few things I can't tell you, but I will tell you over a beer when I'm retired. So I said I'm definitely going to uh, hold you to that, Isaac. So it'd be good to chat to. I think in three or four years' time, when he finally stops playing, I think a couple more home truths uh, will be delivered. Uh, James, you got a question for us? Um, yeah, I just wanted to think forward to the selection for the uh, backline this week, and I'm I, I think it's time for. Um, um, Denver to play the uh, remainder of the season with blank and free up Sicily as the, the just just the interceptor, the third um, tall defender. Uh, that's the future for mine. Um, blank did a great job on um, Hogan in the second half last week, and I look. I just think it's the um, it, it's the route the route forward, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Uh, this is da- this is Danny's wheelhouse. Oh, if anybody's listened to the last two-week review pods, this is what I've been preaching. So, James, uh, hard eyes are coming from me over here, mate. I think I'm absolutely with you on that one. I, Denver Granger Brass needs to play the rest, of the rest of the year, regardless of how good his form is, unless he's getting beaten so badly that, you know, it, it has shades of Zach Dawson about it. But, um, he should be playing. He should be our number two defender. James Blank playing on the number one key forward and allowing Sicily to play the role that Sicily is meant to play, which is not playing on Jesse Hogan or Tom Lynch. Um, it's just uh, doing that third man up, leaving his man and impacting the contest and then being able to mark the ball um, in packs and, uh, and, and use his uh, in superior intercept marking skills. So, yep. Couldn't agree with you more if I tried, James. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I I, uh, I think that um, I think that DGB should play. I mean, interesting how it work with Scrimshaw and Sicily as sort of two rebounding defenders. But this is a, these last seven weeks, 
as time to work that out. I, I actually think they should be in games into DGB and blank getting that chemistry work. I mean, who, over the course of the season, who's really going to who are Hawthorne playing for us the season that could really take them part? I mean, they've got to, they've got to come up against Tom Lynch in a few weeks. I'm not sure the West Coast key defenders are going to do much of them. I don't think the North defenders are going to do much of them. We've got Tex this week, but you know, I think um, it, it's a really good test for someone like Blank to to play on him. So, yeah, I, I think they've just got to make it happen, which will mean a few could, changes this week. Could I just say one more thing about DGB, uh, Ash? Yes. Um, last year uh, when we played GWS at the uh, G, it was one of the uh, only games I think I went to last year, and he, he, he was really good in, uh, until he got, I think, subbed off with a concussion. Very athletic. Uh, I remember his waffle highlights reel was... Just insanely athletic. I don't think this season we've been letting him um, uh, be free enough uh, as a defender. I know that sounds weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't need the number one forward. He needs the second. Um, and in my system, um, Sicily is the third. Uh, yeah, again, just thoughts. Yeah. Sicily, in the ideal world, is the third defender. And uh, that's how, when he first broke into the back line, uh, in the in the year or so before he did his knee, he was the third defender. So it's time for him to go back to that. Uh, hopefully they'll make it happen from this weekend. But as we've seen over the course of the year, Sam has a great big plan, a great big whiteboard and all sorts of things that he wants to see over the course of the season. And at the moment, it's Sicily playing as more of a key defender, but let's hope he's freed up to be the third defender uh, for the rest of the season with the... Uh, I think seven more games to go. Uh, Ivan, good to have you on board with us. Uh, sorry, James, good to have you back with us once again. Thank um, you. A couple of things. The, the talk of Al Clarkson joining the Giants is heating up and um, a, a, a newsbreaker with a fantastic surname who I've been asked not to mention his name on the uh, for whatever reason on the uh, spaces broke the story tonight that uh, Giants list manager or footy boss Jason McCartney was spotted in Melbourne having perhaps a meal or a conversation with Clarko. Brad, is that the right, Is that the best fit for him? I think so, absolutely. I don't think North is the right fit for him. He's done that with us. He needs to go to a club that has a base there. Good talent. GWS is that exact club. I think the year off is going to help Clarko. I think the time was right for him to finish up with us. I thought he should have finished up a year or two earlier. The year off would have helped. He spent a lot of time in the States with the Golden State uh, Warriors in the NBA who went on to win uh, the title. I think GWS and Clarko is a perfect fit. The AFL will make it happen if Clarko says, yes, I'm in. So I think it is more than likely if Clarko's coaching next year, it will be with GWS. And it hurts me to say it because I think him as that coach, you put him with... The likes of, um, you know, Tom Green, Jacob Hopper, uh, Caniglio. They've got the talent there. There's reports Tim Taranto is uh, looking to come home. He'd be perfect for us, but I think he'd go to one of the clubs that are going to be challenging in the next few years. But I think, yeah, it's likely Clarko will be coaching GWS. I've seen reports that the Bombers are interested as well because they've got a huge, you know, four to six weeks coming up. But... I just can't see Clarko coaching at the Bombers. I think he's just a perfect fit for GWS and the money he will get offered at GWS. We know how they like to pay 
outside the cap as well in ambassadorial money, which we saw with Coniglio and a few others, I think it'll happen. He um, he'll get uh, he'll get the way AFL will pay the ambassadorial money, so it won't totally cripple their soft cap. It was put to me tonight that Clarkson should have incentives in his contract for um, memberships and attendances as well. Uh, that because uh, he's if he's going to have the ambassadorial role, you know, it can't just be about wins and losses. So perhaps there might be a requirement that he builds up their membership to a certain level and their average home attendance to a certain number. Um, if he's going to have an ambassadorial promotional and marketing element to his uh, salary. But we will wait and see. That one's heating up, and I imagine there'll be a resolution to that one pretty quickly after the uh, – if that is going to happen, that'll be announced pretty quickly after the last home-and-away game of the season. Um, looking at to Sunday at Marvel Stadium, 3.20 start, sadly, on Channel 7. Interested to see where they lift their game and talk a bit about the Hawks a bit more on Sunday Arvo. Um, Hawthorne, I think, are the favourites. I haven't seen the uh, the odds for this one, but I think Hawthorne are marginal favourites. Maybe a couple of got the margin being a couple of goals. Thereabouts, Brad, a couple of um, your selection dissection will probably run sometime tomorrow on the Substack. But what are you, a quick, uh, what sort of things will we see at selection? Uh, I think we'll see the youngsters come in. I mentioned uh, last week I didn't think they would come in against GWS. The majority of them played in the VFL. Josh Ward will definitely play. James Warple obviously goes out. Ward will come in for Warple. Finn McGuinness has had a couple of really strong games in the VFL. Other than Warple, uh, then Josh Ward was probably our best player last week. So I think he'll get a run. Liam Shields obviously came on as the sub. He'll be one of the guys that'll go out. Jarman at MP, I think he's under massive pressure. If he holds his spot, I will be very surprised. I think Josh uh, Morris is another one who deserves a run. He's been sub a few times this season, but you know, he's he needs to play at least you know the last three or at so least three or four. Prove games. prove once and for all that he can't play. But yeah, well, that it doesn't matter. They need to give him at least a crack. He deserves a crack. MP has not had a better than a decent game in probably his last four games, I would say. Uh, I think there will be change this week. You'll read in my article what they should do. I've put about five or six changes. I don't think there'll be that many. I think there'll be three or four. So DGB was uh, the other one. I'd really like to see him play. Jack Gunston, I don't think, is going to play, as uh, we know for personal uh, reasons. So, you know, they'll probably need to bring in a forward. Jekka and Callow were really quiet in the VFL. Callow's had his run. In my opinion, I don't think he's going to make it as an AFL footballer. I think Jekka has more upside. I think he deserves a crack. So it'd be interesting to see what they go with. But Josh Ward and Finn McInnes are two, I think, will definitely play. DGB is the other one. And that fourth change will need to be a forward. So uh, Connor Nash is uh, the other one. I think he's been really poor in the last three or four games he's played. So he might be due for a run in the VFL. Danny, does Hawthorne win this game? Versus two-part question. Uh, are we sick of the losses? It would be nice to win one. Is it too disruptive to the plans and the plans for a bottom, you know, top three or four pick if they win this game, given they probably will beat North in a couple of weeks? Or are we, are we happy with honourable losses? Look, my perspective on that's probably pretty different to most Hawthorne supporters. I, I'd, I mean, it is, it's part of the... Part of the larger plan for me, so I'd be okay even if we lost the next two. 
uh, against Adelaide and the Roos um, because it just gives us better access to better talent. And that's what's going to get us to the pointy end again. And uh, we, we've been through it before and we've uh, we've come out with the, the Roughheads and the Franklins. So it's what we need to do in order to get back up to competing again. And, you know, sure, it's better to win than lose. It's not fun watching losses. But if you go in with a mindset of I'm going to actually just look for um, the contributions that our young guys make and little exciting things from Lewis and Dylan Moore and CJ and those sorts of guys, then, you know, it's bearable enough. Um, as Hawthorne supporters, we should never be wanting to lose. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to serve us better long-term to drop a few games for the rest of this year, end up with Harry Sheasel and everybody's happy. Your homework between now and the end of the season is to sort of go through and look at those top five, six picks and sort of, is there a real difference between finishing third bottom and fifth, sixth bottom in terms of the quality of the player they might get with their first pick? So that's uh, your sure. long-term home. I'm a bit of a contrary thing. I'm actually sick of losing. I'd like to see the Hawks win. I'd like to see them put a team to the sword at some time in the next year, a team that's not North Melbourne, which everyone's doing. But I wouldn't mind seeing them stitch up Adelaide and have a nice old big kicking of Adelaide or West Coast in the next I actually don't think they'll beat West Coast. I think West Coast are a pretty strong team in, as Brad said before, uh, at the MCG in a couple of weeks. Well, I'd like, like to see them win Sunday. Uh, a bit sick of losing. And I think uh, it's uh, enough's enough. One or two more wins for the end of the season would be good. Uh, Daz, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely with you, Ash. I'm sick of losing and I'd love for us to beat Adelaide and North. Um, I think losing to North would just feel terrible. Um, even though we may get one for one draft position, I'm prepared to concede that. Um, just want to beat North. Yeah, I need Danny to convince me that pick three is clearly better than pick five or six, and therefore it's worthwhile Hawthorne to keep losing. I, my understanding is you could throw a blanket over sort of three to six anyway, given Ashcroft is the nominal number one anyway. You can throw, and Wardlaw hasn't played in the under 18, he's probably the best, the next best player. We can throw a blanket over four or five after that. So, but Danny, your job is to otherwise. Yeah, I think we need to wait until after the national championships to make that sort of judgment. That's why they're playing them at the moment. Uh, that has been the spaces for this week. I think we've just about run out of things to talk about. Um, thank you to everybody for taking part. Thank you once again for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 for the season. Some uh, nice articles in the can ready to go over the next few days. Um, don't forget to join us on for Sunday night. We will record the post-match review. It won't be me this week. I'm unavailable, but the guys did beautifully without me last week and can do so again this week, I'm sure. Uh, we should be back as well, I think, on the weekend. Um, any housekeeping, Daz, before we finish up? No, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is a, a bit of an unexpected bumper spaces, but um, so much to talk about, as Ash said. So yeah, thanks well, again for joining us. Lots going on. We just need a few more rumours about who's doing what, and we'll have plenty to talk about between now and the end of the season. We're back Thursdays next week. Don't forget that. Put in your diary. We'll back to our traditional Thursday night spaces uh, from next week with no more Thursday night footy. So we'll enjoy one extra day's break before then. Everyone enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the footy. Hope to see you all at Marvel Stadium on Sunday. And if you do ever see any of us pop in, actually make yourself known. Come and say hello. Uh, Darren's usually in the beer queue. Brad is usually sitting with Opposition Cheer Squad. 
um, but we're always there. So uh, come and say hello if you do season the footy. A couple of people have over the course of the season, and that's really great, which I've enjoyed. So have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon on Hawks Insiders. Thank you, and good night.